I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton. And today I'm talking to Nick Elston, inspirational speaker, transformational speaking coach, and all-round thoroughly good bloke. Before we start, I have a little request. This episode in particular is one that really deserves a wide audience. Please help us reach one. Please tell a friend about Squanderlust or post a link to this episode on social media and help us start a more open conversation about the emotional side of money and mental health. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome, Nick. Tell our listeners a bit about yourself. <laughs> hey, Martha, and I'm going to take you everywhere as my kind of like the person that introduces me because that's a brilliant introduction. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so hey, uh, my name is Nick Elston, uh, as has already been alluded to, that I'm an inspirational speaker on the lived experience of mental health. Pretty much that's what I do for most of my week. I also help people to tell their own stories uh, through a concept of emotional storytelling. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I do and, and kind of how I fell into the financial well-being space or the financial arena generally was through speaking at an event called Accountex uh, going back a few years now at XL London, uh, which is sadly a, a Nightingale hospital at the moment. Um, and yes, so that's kind of how I fell into it. And I suddenly found that there was this real chasm not just a gap it's a chasm <laughs> between the certainly emotional connection within uh the, the money the money market but also mm. the desire for positive change as well the desire is there but people sometimes find it hard to reach out for help especially in in an area where traditionally we've just not been able to, to feel comfortable to do that so it's kind of like when I went there people were waiting for permission to engage in mental health um yeah. and then the more that I got into that kind of field and I met people along the way like your good self um I spoke at the financial well-being conference and I just found it really interesting to bring my my lived experience of mental illness and mental health into the financial arena um and provide a different kind of context to the ones that are usually attributed to financial well-being as a term that's that's fantastic thank you so much so um, today we're particularly focusing on the topic of uh, anxiety and money, uh -huh. um, which I know is is kind of your 
uh, main <laughs> <laughs> area. Yeah. Yeah. The anxiety guy. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll take, I'll take that. I've been called a lot worse, Martha. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because I think there's kind of a stereotype of a person with anxiety, and it's usually probably a woman, um, maybe single, um, somebody maybe sort of a bit skinny and wan, um, somebody very quiet and introverted. Um, you really don't fit that stereotype. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like the opposite of all of those things. Although, <laughs> although it has to be said, I, I am introverted in, in, right. in the truest sense. So I recharge in my own company. So mm. as much as I love even doing things like this, it, it's important to say that it actually does push me out of my comfort zone enough mm. for me to have to recharge afterwards. Um, mm. And even with the big stage stuff that I deliver, I love doing what I do. But knowing that I recharge my own company means that I can actually kind of fully recharge, fully recover so that I can go again. I think a lot of the problems come when we don't know that, uh, when we don't know how we recharge and how we recover. But yeah, I'm absolutely the opposite of what you just said. I'm a six foot four, 20 odd stone bearded guy. I ain't that. (laughs) And and you come across as really warm and outgoing and charismatic and so yeah you're you're very different from that I guess that stereotype of a person who experiences anxiety (laughs) yeah I Um, think also I think mental health generally is is kind of it's dry it's heavy it's usually delivered in such a way that it doesn't help your mental health at all mm. Um, and I just think that there's a real and this is exactly why I do what I do now I just saw that there was this this real kind of need for Firstly, to redefine the term mental health and anxiety comes to that. We need to recognise anxiety is a really healthy mechanism. We we mm-hmm. need it. It's our brain telling ourselves there's a perceived danger. Watch out. Go careful. Mm-hmm. Um, but mental health has got a really bad rap because as a term, it's become a negative. So people will say to me in audiences, Nick, I have mental health. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> you do. 100% of the humans on the planet have mental health. Whether it's good or bad, that's a whole different thing. So I think a lot of the stigma comes from the words that we attribute to things. Um, So I try to bring in inspiration and humor and personal development things into the mental health arena. Clearly differentiating mental illness, and I haven't experienced that extreme as well. Mm. Mental illness absolutely needs to be professionally treated. No other Mm. way around that. And, and, And I don't profess to even help with that. Um, but mental health we all have so if that's the case I like to consider it a muscle something that we can exercise something Mm -hmm. that we can influence every day um, to give ourselves the best chance of being smarter stronger happier whatever the subjective terms mean to you um, personally and professionally because it's the same you that shows up at work that is at home so it's not about I think the work-life balancing could be a myth sometimes Mm, interesting yeah yeah so uh... With that, I mean, I was going to ask you about some of the mis- misconceptions around what it means to experience anxiety um, and around the difference between kind of um, somebody who gets a bit nervous, but whose mm. mental health is basically in good condition versus yep. somebody who's experiencing anxiety symptoms as a mental illness. Yeah. Um, can you talk a bit more about that for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so just to kind of shine a little bit of light into my kind of experience, because I think when you sh- yes, when you please. share a, a lived experience perspective is important to kind of set that context. And context is massive, as you know. Um, 
so for people to kind of buy into what I'm about, my, my mental illness was namely obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. Um, but because, and that was in childhood. So because that was largely unaddressed due to the solutions that were in play, I'm 43 now. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so back in the day, the, the solutions were not what they would be today. Um, it morphed into something called generalized anxiety disorder or GAD. Now, less commonly known than OCD is a term, but statistically more common. And I do see it a lot in business and uh, yeah. in my audiences, but also in people, of course, because it's the same people that are in business or at home. And the signs to look for for me and the things that don't, aren't really spoken about, I guess, which is why mm. I try and do what I do from my angle, is it could be that you constantly seek your accountability, your worth and your value in the pursuit of material objects or other people's opinions. So yeah. what that means is you don't have the courage and confidence and conviction in yourself, that self-belief, to stand and fall by your own choices. Um, so you go at the ebb and flow of life. You sacrifice choice. So you wouldn't necessarily attribute those things to anxiety or even mental health, but absolutely that's what it's about. Mm. Most of what I do is I don't talk about what anxiety is per se. I talk about what it does, how yeah. it stops us from going for those opportunities, uh, uh, making those decisions, even the relationships we choose and the ones we choose to stay in. So actually, mm. the true negative impact of mental health conditions are that it keeps us in our comfort zones, that it stops us living a life or even running a business on our terms. So when we look at anxiety, going back to the question, that yeah. I think a good rule of thumb is for me, if you are doing something through compulsion rather than choice, that's something to check in on. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Really interesting. I think, I mean, so I've had in the past, um, what a therapist described as symptoms consistent or, or, uh, behaviors and attitudes consistent with generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, so it's certainly something that's affected me in the past. And, um, I know that I relate really hard to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's a feeling of limitation in so many ways. Yeah. Um, there's also sort of uh, a physical side as well, isn't it? Because your your mind and oh, your body are one. Huge. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the problem. It, a lot of the see, it's like like in every aspect of kind of poor health, I guess that it's the symptoms that that it's the byproducts that really get us in in that sense mm. that. So the, the byproduct of running on high anxiety or high nervous energy for a sustained period of time is mm. that it will lead to things like burnout, and as it did with me, uh, mm. and it, it will lead to breakdown, as it did with me in, in 2012. And I think recognising those things means you can start to nip things in the butt. Now, I wish I would have known all of this at the time, but that's exactly the, the point, mm. I guess, that everything we've ever done has led to exactly where we are right now. But yeah. the one thing that's really kind of a real passionate message for me is kind of telling people, especially in, in the corporate world, yeah. um, because we're, we're kind of hardwired to, to kind of just run until we're flat, is you can only run for so long until you stop. And you will stop. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, when we run on high anxiety. Yeah. There's also two other factors that I like to kind of throw into the mix that you may not again associate with things like burnout and breakdown but if you are starting to use things like masking behaviors so if you start to I know in my worst I would try and be what people wanted to see in me 
Mm. I would try and be what situations demanded of me, but I sure wouldn't damn show myself because when I show myself, that's when we have that fear. We 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 fear we're going to get shot at. But yeah. most of the time, it's narrative. It's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I know you get that. We've had these conversations before. So I, I know yeah. I'm in really yeah. good company on this in a really weird way. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the second thing, and, and I want everybody listening to this right now to do this, get your, your phone out, get your calendar out, your diary out. Is there a part of your day, just 30 minutes a day, for you to rest, recover, and recharge so that you can go again strong tomorrow? And I bet mm. you there isn't. You'll You'll give away your all your work data, your work commitments. And to a certain mm-hmm. extent, we need to do that. The last time I checked, the mortgage doesn't get paid on dreams and missions. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then we'll give away the rest of our time to whoever shouts loudest because we don't mm-hmm. value ourselves. So therefore, the question to ask yourself is where do you actually feature in your own life? Yeah. Yeah. Really important. Really important. I'd like to sort of hone down specifically onto the topic of money and people's personal finances. Okay. Um, why do you think money is such an area of anxiety for people? Because people say to me all the time, <laughs> I'm so anxious when I think about my finances. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a, a great subject. Um, I think certainly from my perspective as somebody who's outside the financial world, um, mm that I know from personal experience that the when my mental health was in a very poor place, I would make very bad decisions. Mm. It was the pursuit of happiness in material objects with money that I never had. So right. easy access to credit. Yeah. And then of course there's a tipping point and that tipping point comes when you want their money back. Yeah. <laughs> Which then compounds the the challenges you had. Now it doesn't always work that way. I also have spoken to other people that uh, are very actually very affluent in a good place mm. um, and that creates its own pr- uh, pressures as well so either the lack of money uh, can can drive kind of poor mental health or poor mental health and drive a lack of money yeah or poor behaviors yeah. so yeah. it becomes this kind of vicious circle and a lot of the work that I've done in your space is around kind of client engagement I guess it's kind of we mm. need to start to understand where our clients could be because most of the time people in your field are actually pretty switched on with money anyway because it's kind of what they do yeah it doesn't stop them being able to look out for other people and where they are at the time yeah yeah I mean I, I was I was thinking about this you know money is it's an important area of our lives a lot of people don't understand it and anything you don't understand feels like a risk right yeah um so that is just immediately anxiety provoking whether you are somebody who's prone to feel anxious or not you know risk is inherently it's what anxiety is for it's like you were just saying anxiety is there to keep us safe Mm. so um you know where it it flags up a risk but maybe disproportionately (laughs) yeah it you know it really does and i think also it's recognizing the fact that when when we make those kind of bad decisions, when we make those mistakes, they can have like impacts for, for kind of years and years and years ongoing. So it's not only that, it's huge. And, and also culturally, and I guess it's conditioned us to not talk about money in a really healthy way, especially in the UK. Um, I speak all over the world on this stuff. In the UK especially, uh, we were always told, don't ask your uncle how much his car was. Um, <laughs> or, uh, or it comes from kind of mm. how much money you had growing up. So... One of the examples that 
that I like to, to showcase is that when I first started becoming a professional speaker in the in the truest sense of the word, which means that I've been paid once, then I'm a professional speaker. And mm-hmm. so back, so back, nice. there's this mythology around professional speaking that honestly, you've been paid once, you're a professional speaker. It's cool. Drop the ego. It's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when somebody first said to me, like, "Oh, how much do you charge for an event?" and I was still doing this as a passion. This has gone about what six, seven years ago now. Um, then to me, 200 pounds, a lot of money. So I had to ask for advice from somebody else who had a different background to me. And they said, well, what would you like? I said, well, 200 pounds. Good. He said, well, just go for 500 and you got somewhere to come down. And it it creates this kind of anxiety around this perception of money. So how much do you think people uh, I think are going to be worth or how much do I value myself? And then it comes down into self-belief and it comes so kind of entrenched in, in our emotional state and our mental state. Um, and interestingly on this one, I, I lost that engagement. It's the only engagement I ever lost because I went too low. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Interesting. So yes. that taught me a very valuable lesson that my perception of £200 in this in- instance was somebody else's kind of like, that's really poor, that's a low amount, so he's not going to be very good. Yep. So also then you have that kind of black mirror kind of accountability on mm. your your worth, your value versus the fee that you're charging. Yeah, so we did an episode uh, with a guy called Jasper Lyons, who is a startup mentor. And he talked about exactly that. He talked about setting a price for your time or setting a price for for what services you offer in some way. Um, And he talks about exactly that, how you don't want to be perceived as cheap because cheap is perceived as low quality. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah exactly. you know, it's yeah. totally, it's totally a thing. I mean, I think, yeah, all of all of this stuff, we we merge our value as our in ourselves with our financial situation and our ability to manage money. Yeah. I also think there's something about how, um, and I'm now going to plug a completely different episode, but but money can get used um, as a kind of tool for enforcing power imbalances. So it can be yeah. a thing about how family patterns play out as well. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah. I, I think also it's it's also changes. So mm. look, you know me well enough. We've known each other a long time now. So, you know, <laughs> you always get kind of real honesty from me. Yeah. In September last year, um, obviously the backdrop of the pandemic and lots of different things, just things looked a lot different from a commercial point of view. So therefore, by that point, the buffers were running low. The order book was not the same as it was in March before lockdown. Um, So this is part of the rebuild. And that was the real lowest point for me. But because my funds were lower, my money was lower, I started to then impact what I thought my value was. Mm. So it's not even a permanent mindset. It, yeah. it depends on where you are right now. So if, if money is good, I can be as resilient and as bulletproof as I want. Yeah, it's this and that's it. Either take me or love me or leave me kind of thing. And Or that if things are struggling, you can actually start to devalue yourself as well. So bigger picture, that will have a negative impact, even though that you feel you're doing the right thing commercially, uh, yeah. financially, sorry. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think there is that. Um, I think, well, actually, that's really interesting because it, it's a it's both a, a negative and a positive, right? So if you, if you're, when you're experiencing it, it's really hard, but you've actually just given us a really important piece of advice, which is this is temporary. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like this. <laughs> no, no, but literally within two, uh, two months of having that kind of uh, inner conversation stroke panic attack in September, um, the order book was full again and everything looked great. And actually then at that point I was saying, yeah, is this again? And 
I felt very resilient in in, in my business approach in terms of, mm. uh, and even to the point of of going into the new year price increases and stuff. That, but so it's it just it's really fascinating that to know that sometimes in a situation that this will pass, like everything else has ever passed, this will pass. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. We're going to take a little break here, and we'll be back and we'll talk about some specifics around different areas of people's finances that I know they struggle with if they're feeling anxious. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. We're talking to Nick Elston, inspirational speaker about lived experience of mental health and mental illness. Um, so, Nick, I put my head down uh, in preparation for this and thought of it about things that my clients and people I've worked with in the past have told me are situations that make them anxious when they're managing their money. Um, and you've actually covered an extra bonus one just now. We were talking about sort of pricing, which is great. <laughs> um, but I wanted to, to pick up on a few things that I know where people get really blocked um, and they actually stop doing these activities because they're really nervous about them um or their their anxiety stops them from doing yeah. this and then it, that can then impact on their ability to manage their money so i'm hoping you can help me come up with some sort of tips and, and useful advice for our listeners for these sure yeah i always say my best stuff is by accident so <laughs> yeah. we're good on that front <laughs> amazing i love it um okay so the first one is checking bank balances whether that's at an atm or online just people get really scared yeah. about looking at the numbers so do you have any tips for helping people reduce their nerves around that yeah i've been there but it actually kind of gave me the shivers oh, thinking about sorry. that time actually <laughs> i've absolutely been there no, it's it's good. I mean, this is the thing we need to we need to feel that a lot of the time. It's, this isn't a case of burying your head in the sand. And my tip in that instance would be to um, be aware, but don't immerse. Okay. So, um, 
uh, if you look at the kind of if you watch Sky News for twenty four hours solid, you're going to be in a poor place by the end of that twenty four hours because ninety nine percent is speculation, one percent is fact, and it's the same with the money. The money very rarely changes, but it's kind of like when you're uh, even things like weight loss, you just keep checking and checking and checking, hoping something's going to change. That mm. I would set a day of the week um, where you review everything and then you leave it. And I do the same with my mental health. I'll be quite mm. open with you. I do on a on a Friday. I have um, my counselling session. I still use counselling and mm-hmm. therapy in a proactive sense, which is why no one could book me on a Friday mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, <laughs> but what I do is I'll also use that time if I'm going to be going to that place. I use that time to start to review mm. everything from the week and the week after. So you kind of like block out some time to go into the heavy stuff, the the stuff that potentially could could make you anxious, and you're talking quite openly. Um, but then most importantly, after that period, I'll do something that I absolutely love. So for me, um, if it's nice and sunny, I can go out for a big walk or um, I like gaming as well. I love country music. So I'll do something mm-hmm. straight away afterwards, which immerses me in the positive. And, and what it does, it gives you that breathing space. So you kind of brain thinks, right, tick, that's done. But then yeah. you've done, you've done something you love straight after to, give, to kind of give your soul a lift. Nice. I like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean I I was thinking about it and I I think we've talked in the past on this show about how things like um, checking balances and and things that create create nerves it's almost less it's almost certainly less bad than you think it is right so the metaphor the metaphor I've used before is um uh in horror movies they don't show the monster um (laughs) very true I like that I'm having that one by the way I will credit you Martha but I'm having it Um, (laughs) you are 100% welcome to it go for it I'm I'm delighted um you know things don't get better by not looking and and actually it's almost certainly less bad than you think it is Uh, I mean I see this so much Uh, if you think about anything everyone listening to us now do this think about that one thing that you're really anxious about right now or you're really stressed about or worried about ask yourself this simple question is it fact or is it the story that you're telling yourself? Mm. And this this blows my mind when I do, even with, with me kind of talking about stuff all the time, it's really hard to take your own advice all the time, <laughs> trust me. Um, <laughs> so I like to use simple examples because I'm not a simple guy, I'm not a details guy. Um, now, I deliver to schools as well as mm-hmm. businesses and prisons and everything yeah. else. And Prisons easier than schools, by the way. Um, <laughs> I agree. Um, and, yeah, it's very true. <laughs> I always remember this, this girl said to me that what makes her really anxious is when she messages her friend and her friend doesn't message back. But uh-huh. actually, that's transaction. That's that's not anything else. It's just a transaction. Yeah. What's making her anxious is the fact that she feels rejected or not loved or dismissed mm. or we've fallen out and but that's the story and actually by the end of the session she'd heard back from a friend interestingly mm. but we do that a lot of the time we do that mm. if, most of the things if not all the things I worry about on a day-to-day basis never actually happen yeah. so we need to set out on this mission to prove ourselves wrong start to make a note of what's going in our head what's going for our heads right now make a note said so do that weekly check-in of your money mm. but then let it go and try to, to nip in the bud the stories that you're telling yourself is the stuff that causes the damage. Yeah, 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 I like that. I like that. Anxiety is created in the assumed outcome of things. It's, it's, in, it's either regret from the past, fear of the future. It's very rarely is it now. So if we can really master that kind of now, we can, we can start to get a, a real grip on things. Yes, yes, absolutely. Nice. Thank you. Um, that's okay. <laughs> so my my next one is opening letters. P 
people can end up with like a pile of letters. Um, I know that people who are actually getting into debt sometimes end up with, with literal bin bags full. Um, but even people yeah. who are who are not actually experiencing problems, but just feel anxious about them, can get yeah. a fear of what's what's in that envelope. Um, and then yeah, that can be a tra- trouble. So any ideas on that one? Yeah, I think it's, this is the version of, if I told you, I've used this before, it's quite funny, uh, um, actually in a, an in-person audience, if I said to somebody now, your boss wants to see you in your office, <laughs> do you automatically think, great, I'm getting a raise and a promotion? No, <laughs> you think I'm going to get sacked and, and that's it, my days are done here. Um, so again, it's that storytelling thing, we jump to the negative. Mm. They're actually, they're, we need to know stuff, even the bad stuff we need to know. We can only deal with what we what we have in front of us. Mm. But if we can start to, again, block out some time just to allow yourself to that kind of anxiety time, mm-hmm. then do something great afterwards. Do something that you love afterwards. So you kind of, you're taking yourself there, but you're bringing yourself back. Um, for me, maybe it's an OCD thing. For me, I would be the opposite. I would mm. need to open everything and I would need to know exactly what's going on. But I appreciate not everybody's like that. Yeah. So if that's if that's you, set aside some time. What I found is that do things when your energy is high. Yes. Now, I've mentioned that that work-life balance thing is, is, is a myth. I mean, that might be a little bit too much of a generalization, but go with me on this. Um, <laughs> because there's a lot of people, even in your community, especially in your community, who prefer to do a lot of work at evenings because actually they have uninterrupted time they have the energy and in the daytime it's just much rather go more relaxed so Mm. do things including opening letters when you have the most energy during the day yeah because it's when our energy dips it's when my energy dips that I know that I'm more prone to be anxious or more prone to have maybe even obsessive traits if I'm in a bad place so um yeah do things when your energy is high not when it's low because everything's going to seem a lot worse when your energy is low. Yeah, yeah. The the funny thing about envelopes specifically as well, especially from financial envelopes, eight times out of ten at least, it's just marketing gumph. You know? Oh, yeah, like, 100%. Like, <laughs> you can have a stack of envelopes and, and half of it is, you know, flyers for stuff. You know? you don't need a need most of it is not about the thing you're afraid of even if there's even if there's one bad one in there right almost all of it is is rubbish and can be thrown away so you know you just yeah and again the perception the the assumption of that unopened envelope would be far worse than the reality Mm -hmm. in any given situation yeah yeah what do you think about it's go on sorry No, I was going to say, it's a really common theme at the moment. I was talking to, um, uh, on my podcast, I was talking to a guy called James Perryman, who is a communications expert, and we were talking about this exactly. And he was saying exactly the same thing, that it's the stuff that blindsides us is the stuff that really gets us. Mm. It's not the stuff that we we assume anyway. So actually, all this stuff that we're thinking about, it's kind of worth knowing that the stuff that really gets us is not the stuff that we can plan. It's not the stuff that we foresee. Is the stuff that just blindsides us. That's true. That's true. What do you think about the idea of, of kind of getting a friend to be with you or a coach or something like that to, to join you while you're doing something like this, if it really is a struggle? I think that having a, uh, having a coach, having a mentor is, is a, is a really powerful thing. Um, my, I'll be careful with this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my thoughts on on kind of engaging a friend to do this, mm. or, or even a family member, would be this. It would be more. 
you need to trust that person to to be able to support you absolutely but also to challenge you positively as well mm. and i mentioned context earlier in in the session as you know from the the speaking academy that you you, you attended before that context is massive yeah. and it's and with uh, friends and family their context is different so if somebody uh, if my wife gave me some advice, I would think that she's got an agenda because that's just what you do in relationships. <laughs> but if somebody else, if a coach or a mentor told me that, the same advice, I'll probably take it, much to the frustration of my wife. But, um, <laughs> so we need to make sure that we're, we're happy with the context, but also whether that person is prepared to challenge us, yeah. which is important. We need to be challenged. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It has to be exactly the right person. It has to be somebody you, you trust to respond in a way that's going to be helpful to you rather than, um, you know, judgmental or, or, as you say, not willing to challenge you when you, when you need that challenge. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Great. Awesome. Okay. Um, and our third specific one um, is talking on the phone. So... You know, there are times when you absolutely have to call that flipping call center. Um, yeah. And I mean, there you know, yeah. we can we can get away from it a lot of the time. And I think most of us do everything we can not to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, and actually, for, for people who um, really, really it will come to detriment because their mental health is not in a position where... They can make. They can pick up the phone. You know, you can request written communication only if it's really impossible for yeah. you. But actually, for most people, that's not. It's not that terrible. So, tips for talking on the phone or the fear of making phone calls, please. Okay, so I think firstly, do you really need to speak to them on the phone? That's, mm. I mean, and the reason I say that is because I used to work as a as a head of partnerships for a global software company that was uh, electronic signatures. And this was at a time where people were still really, really finding it tough to come away from paper. And I think it's the same with telephone. It's the fact that can you, in most instances now, there is an online solution to doing things. Do you have to do it by phone or is it just something that you've traditionally always done? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing to question. The second thing was, and it's something I tend to do, is that if you know you're going to be on, on a call for the long haul or maybe in that kind of hold mode, then just grab some lunch or grab a cup of tea. And at least you've got something to kind of munch on or slurp <laughs> on while you're waiting. Yeah, um, nice. The other thing I think, I think the other thing is a mindset shift as well. Um, mindset shift around work. Again, it comes down to assumption, always comes down to assumption. We're assuming it's going to be a negative experience. So therefore, we go on, we go in a little bit passive aggressive, mm. a little bit angry, um, and therefore we're expecting negativity. So as soon as something irks us, if we're waiting for too long, we'll start to flip. Mm. So, for example, going in with the mindset of the person on the other end of the phone is just doing what, what, they, what they're doing, is they're doing their job. Um, they probably don't want to be there on the phone <laughs> to you as much as you don't want to be on the phone to them. So... Um, and in, with that in mind, I always try to make it a habit to have more personal conversations with yeah. people, even if it is in a kind of a... I work a lot in the contact centre space anyway around kind of um, communication and speaking stuff so people can hear you smile. So yeah. even if you start to smile when you're talking to somebody on the phone, it just changes the dynamic of the conversation. Yeah. Um, asking questions like, oh, how are you feeling today? How are you doing today? Or... Um, where are you? Like, where you? People could be based anywhere now. And yeah. I just have a conversation with people because it just takes away the monotony of what you're trying to achieve. Um, and most of the time, it's whilst they're doing something which is just going to be awkward silence anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I find um, writing notes really helps me. Uh, so yeah. I don't get distracted or I don't feel like I've forgotten something important during the call. So um, it gives me something to do that's not just... Uh, I mean, I... Okay, so I personally love talking on the phone. So I have to use this disclaimer that I am not one of these people who's terrified <laughs> talking on the phone. I'm literally... <laughs> I, like, I do a podcast um, in part because I jump, I'm just super chatty and I love talking to people. So... Uh, but I, I love talking on the phone. Um, but I, I do understand that this is something that that worries people and I don't understand the awkwardness and the negativity. Um, yeah. And certainly if I'm on a longer call or a call that's more tense or about something where there's some kind of potential conflict, you know, notes give me something else to do that's not just the call. Yeah. Um, and if my mind goes blank, I've already made the notes. So I've got something to go back to, which I think... I find personally really, really helpful, for sure. I think that's really cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and then finally, just um, I'm interested to know what your tips are in general for kind of any other... Let's do a catch-all. Like, what have we missed <laughs> a for situations okay. that make you anxious? How can you kind of prepare going in and, and relieve afterwards? Okay. So I think generally breathing is quite a healthy habit <laughs> as a human race, um, but but breathing deeply. So yeah. there's lots of different methods. Uh, the one that I use before stage events is the 666 method, which is breathe in through your nose for six seconds, mm -hmm. hold it for six seconds and out through your mouth for six seconds and do that enough for you to start to feel uh, in a more calm position. Mm. Uh, the reason I do the counting technique is because, one, if you are an obsessive or anxious nature, it takes the focus onto the counting and away from the situation in front of you. Mm. Um, but also it gives your brain more oxygen. Bad decisions are made from a position of fear. So it gives you a better chance of making good decisions, uh, uh, doing good things. Um, so that's that's certainly a, a biggie for me. Yeah. Um, if... It certainly follows that if your your mental health, your emotional well-being is linked to your energy, then we need to do things to keep our energy at peak state. So I use music playlists. I use um, hydration, mm. movement like regularly throughout the day, uh, especially at the moment. I'm more exhausted delivering online all the time than I was traveling all over the place before. So... Um, introducing this kind of well-being self-care breaks in the day. And I think on a broader kind of point of view, maybe like an overview kind of thing, is, is what Dave Peltzer, an author called uh, Living in Daytight Compartments. Um, it's where if anxiety is from regret from the past or the fear of the assumed future, then let's focus on today. Yeah. So we do our very best to push ourselves forward every day. Yeah. Um, that kind of marginal gains, I guess, approach, the daily incremental consistent changes, um, Japanese call it kaizen. Mm -hmm. um, uh, those kind of methodologies of producing bigger picture results keep it in the day, yeah. keep it in the in the moment, yeah. um, and just focus on what you've got coming up today, and that's it. So obviously prepare, obviously expect success yeah. the day after and into the future, but just focus on today, and and that way you'll be very surprised everything you can manage. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's that's really really helpful. Um, Really appreciate it. Nick, it's been, it's been so much fun talking to you. It's so nice. Yeah. Um, Absolutely likewise. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always it's always really great. Where can our listeners find you? 
Uh, nice and simple, just like me. Um, <laughs> NickElston.com. You can find all of my links and stuff through there. So it's NickElston.com. Awesome. You've been listening to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money with me, Martha Lawton. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love one of those nice five-star reviews too. Or you can tell a friend about us, maybe somewhere on social media where we're at Pod. You can also find us at squanderlustpod.com where we put show notes, useful links and ways to support the show. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Alicia Cunningham, Charlie Brandon-King and Tom Berry. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.